It's the Jubilee podcast. Yes, it is Jubilee time here in the UK. We've got, I think it's three or four days of celebrating 60 years of the Queen on the throne of England, which uh, some people have embraced quite warmly and other people are a bit more cool about it. I'm sort of in the middle. I'm not a huge royalty fan, but on the other hand, you know... The opposite end of the spectrum doesn't really appeal either with a a president of the UK. We have enough problems with the current politicians that we have, let alone getting a few more. So, what have I been up to recently? Well, with the summer coming, I thought I needed something new to have a fiddle about with, uh, photographically speaking. Um, And I decided to join Instagram again. Um, I've tried it once before, didn't get on with it really, but I think the main reason for that was was that I hadn't uh, got an idea of how to use it. I was thinking that it was something like Hipstamatic, which, as you may know, I'm a bit of a... um, Fan is a bit of the wrong word. Admirer, I suppose, would be the the best. I I see the potential in Hipstamatic. It's a photographic tool just like uh, a Nikon F5 or a Nikon D4 or a Hasselblad or something like that. If it takes an image, I'm interested in it, and especially if the image quality is reasonably decent. Um... So, yes, I, I decided to sign up with Instagram again, and I seem to be getting on with it a bit better this this time. I've realised that it's more of a social thing than it is a photography thing. It's a blend of the two, really, whereas uh, Hipstamatic is certainly dedicated more to the photography side with the sharing element there, but... Uh, Instagram, uh, you can when you've used it, you can certainly see why Facebook went after it. Although, quite honestly, why they paid a billion dollars for it is beyond me. The only thing I can think of is it's a billion dollars that they probably don't have to be taxed on anymore. So it's it's useful paying a, um, a and getting rid of a decent amount of money um, because then the revenue don't come after you. Uh, for for quite as much, but uh, I do see where they're they're going with it. And strangely enough, Facebook have absolutely actually released an iPhone app that does almost the same job as Instagram does. Uh, so whether they were buying it for that technology, um, I don't know. But I I've decided I'm going to use Instagram as a sort of visual tweet. Um, a visual moment in time, like what most photographs are. Um, Photography is all about moments in time, but maybe these are going to be more snapshots, um, decent snapshots, I hope. Um, And we'll just see where we go from there. I've... uh, It's been a strange journey for me. Um, In the last couple of years, I've sort of come round to, to mobile photography in a way that you know, if you'd have asked me three or four years ago, I would have said that you were mad. I I never, ever liked mobile photography. Um, But it just seems as though it's developed in a a good way. Um, And a lot of these people who do criticise the likes of Instagram and Hipstamatic seem to ignore the fact that the vast majority of images that you take on your mobile aren't exactly visually brilliant. 
Um, it all depends on the light and things. Um, you know, some people are better photographers than others, but you manipulation has always been part of photography, and I think a lot of people and a lot of photographers forget this. Uh, photography is a filter. It is not truth. Um, it all depends on little things. The cameras that you're you're using, for instance, uh, the lens that you like the most. Um, the film that you like the most, uh, your point of view about the world, all of these things are taken on board, your politics even, all of these are taken on board when you take a photograph. Um, and I think a lot of people forget that. They seem to think that photography is some sort of truthful thing. I am the teller of truth. Well, I would beware of any photographer who was saying that they were the uh, messenger of truth via their images. I think they are kidding themselves to say the least i've decided to have a look at uh one of my projects from last year it's coming up to the first anniversary towards the end of june of sea sky sand and street um i started photographing uh for that project on the 23rd of june and on the 23rd of june this year I'm going to bring the price down of the book for a period of about uh I might be generous I might I might bring it down for a month or even 6 weeks something like that uh just to celebrate the project because I really did enjoy shooting that um little photography project that little photography book um it sort of came together in an odd way it worked really well like often those projects do and I, I really did enjoy it. I know there's a lot of photographers out there who absolutely hate iPhone photography. Um, but it just seems though it came together. It was the right tool for the job. And it, it just worked. So I've decided that I will release the book um, in celebration of uh, the first anniversary and just bring the price down. I've also fiddled about with uh, the featured photography page for uh, Sea, Sky, Sand and Street. Um, I always have a problem working out which... I always call it S4 usually because I can never remember which way it was. The problem was, was of course, it was too different books the first thing it was was a solo photo book month pdf download which is available on my website as well and then i decided that this wouldn't be a good opportunity to actually make a proper photography book and that led to the slight change in the in the title i didn't really want to release it would be confusing if you'd have had the book two books with the same title people would have been wondering which one i was talking about hence the reason for the for the alteration um but yes it it, it did work rather well i thought um and i decided uh that uh what i was going to do was was that the featured photography page needed a bit more fleshing out it it, it had a, a decent amount of uh, detail on it um, but it it just needed a bit more information. So now it's it's a really really good page if you're you're interested in how the the photography project came about. There's some links to various different things on that page now as well, and it just looks a lot better and it has a lot more detail on it. So if you're interested in iPhone photography, 
and you just wanted to see how I went about one iPhone photography project last year that I'm very fond of, uh, then go to my website, richardflintphoto.com, and have a look at the uh, portfolio section. And uh, the portfolio page has a link to the uh, to the featured photography page for Sea, Sky, Sand and Streets. Right, links. Um, I don't think there's been any news, really. Um, there's been one or two things. I suppose like uh, uh, releasing a black and white digital camera. Uh, it doesn't have a colour sensor. It has just a black and white sensor uh and they've released it for eight thousand dollars i suppose that's that's a bit of news i think it's rather brave of like it it will be interesting to see how well it goes down somehow i can't see any any of the other manufacturers going down the same route i think it's a sort of like a decision they Leica has a lot of connections with photojournalism um and i don't really see nikon or Canon following suit, really, with a black-and-white sensor. I could be wrong, but I, d I don't think so. I think Leica realised that they can release these niche products and they will sell because the a lot of people just like to go wherever they go, the local camera club or wherever it is, and say, hey, look at me, I've got a Leica, and this one, you know, black-and-white Leica. A lot of the reports have been very positive about the results whether a black and white sensor will catch on with the other manufacturers, I don't really know. Right, links. We're on to the links. Um, it's been a pretty good month for links, and we're going to start off with... This is rather an unusual story. It was about a photographer who went to cover the Occupy Wall Street protests. Um, the photographer's name was Alex Arbuckle. And he went along to photograph the police rather than the protesters because he thought the police, to a certain extent, were getting a bit of a uh, a poor uh, they were getting a bit of poor press really about their job. He he realised that uh, being a policeman isn't an easy job at the best of times. Um, sadly, though, he ended up getting arrested. <laughs> He ended up getting arrested uh, while taking photographs of police in a sort of respectful way going about their job and he ended up just being in the wrong place uh, when they decided, when one probably overzealous police officer decided that she was going to arrest him. So that's that's exactly what happened. The images are, uh, are very, very good. Um, in fact, I would actually say that they're some of, some of the best uh, to do with the, the Occupy movement. Um, I know there's been an awful lot of images out there to do with how uh, Occupy movement works and the protesters and things, but this shot from uh, the side of the, the police, and it's it's not exactly in a pro-police way, but it's just trying to show the sort of things that the police have to put up with while they're, while they're doing their job. So uh, that's... Uh, a New York Times lens photo blog one, as usual. Um, but some great colour images there from Alex Arbuckle. The next one, ah, is a Guardian, uh, Guardian audio slideshow. 
And this is the last of the Billingsgate fish porters. Um, Billingsgate Market began tradingly, trading exclusively in fish in 1699. And you had to... To be a porter for the for the fish markets, you had to be licensed. It was a way of showing that uh, it was a way of, of making sure that the fish deliveries were delivered by people of uh, a reputable background. And this has been brought to an end by uh, <clears throat> the City of London Corporation, who have decided to end a centuries-old way of life by revoking a bylaw requiring them to have a trading license, which means that anybody's going to be able to do it. Um, a rather stupid, mindless decision, but uh, with people who have no idea about history or tradition. But uh, anyway, the um, there's some fantastic photography and some fantastic stories by uh, Claudia Leisinger. Um, she's interviewed these these people, many of them who have worked as uh, porters at Billingsgate for. Years, uh, and generally speaking, their 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 fathers worked there, and grandfathers worked there. So it's it's a family, a family tradition to work there, for a lot of these people. It's a very very sad story, and it it sort of really shows a sign of the times, where quite frankly, a lot of the time people don't have any respect for for anything, especially tradition. The next one is. I featured this uh, photographer on on my blog because I was really, really impressed with his with his work. This was Edward Bertinsky's photographs of the oil industry. Have a look at my photography blog if you want to uh, find out a bit more about this uh, photographer. I'll put the link on for his uh, for his his website and for the Guardian's uh, gallery that they put together but the Guardian's gallery only showed a fraction of the images uh, he's, he's Batinsky's done a great job of following the oil industry and dividing it up into sections and photographing the consequences and things of oil and the exploration for oil and all sorts of aspects uh the the oil industry um effects in the world and it is quite a sobering piece of work uh the photography is also on at the photography uh the photographer's gallery in london at the moment i don't know when that ends uh but i think it's got a a, a bit more time to run because the photographer's gallery is only has only just opened again so uh, yes it's uh, it's nice to see photography done over a long period, and Patinsky's work was done over fifteen years, uh, so it's it's quite a long term investment in a photography project. A lot of them these days seem to be taken, you know, quite well. It just seems as though they 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 go there, photograph the story, and that's it. And whereas Edward Patinsky's pictures do capture. Um, it shows the amount that he invested into getting these images. It was a lot of time. The final one um, for the podcast, there will be a couple of bonus ones on the podcast page at the usual place, which I don't have to mention, but I 
probably will. Uh, it's at the end of the podcast anyway. Um, this is G. Brad Lewis, and he's photographing volcano eruptions in Hawaii. These images are just stunning. I just had a look at these. Not only are they stunning, but they quite honestly look incredibly dangerous to get. Um, some of them are... Uh, the second image, which is uh, just a stream of lava through a, a black landscape, is absolutely fantastic. I would love it on my wall. It's just beautiful. It lo- almost looks like a painting. It it really is a stunning image. And the next one after that is uh, poisonous uh, fume uh, vents. Just uh, It's almost like science fiction. Uh, a science fiction landscape, looking at some of these images. The the pictures, quite honestly, are just absolutely fantastic. Um, although he does seem as though he has a tendency to, to get in really, really close. I suppose it comes down to the old capper saying, you know, if your photographs aren't working, you're not close enough. Well, this certainly, he does certainly seem to get really, really close, or close and personal with the volcano to get these. Um, but they are absolutely stunning images. So that is G. Brad Lewis and photographs of volcanic volcanic eruptions on Hawaii. Absolutely stunning work. Like I said, there will be two more bonus links on the Darker Skies podcast page as usual. And that's about it for this podcast. Uh... It's just nice to be out on time again. Uh, It's just so much easier with this new gear. One thing I will mention before I go is I am getting some audio gear, portable audio gear, that I'll be able to hold in my hand. Um, And the idea behind that is, is I want to try and get out and about a bit more with the podcast. I have tried it in the past with the iPhone and the quality is sort of reasonable. But this will give proper stereo sound. I'll be able to record environments and I'll be able to take it up to places like Scotland and put together what I think is a pretty decent podcast, I think, uh, out in the field, which is something that I've always wanted to do. I'm gradually moving the podcast along and eventually one day we will have a video podcast, I am sure. But that is a bit of a way off, maybe next year, something like that, but this little handheld Tascam uh, recorder will do a fantastic job of just me being out there, just uh, taking photos, uh, exploring the landscape, and I think for somewhere like Scotland it will be ideal. So that's one or two ideas that I've got for the podcast coming up. Anyway, that's it. That's it for this month. I hope you will join me again next month. So until next month, I will say ta And I just hope the weather holds tomorrow for my large shoot of 250 people. I just hope it doesn't rain. That's it. Until next month, have a great one. Have a great jubilee, whatever you're doing. And I will uh, be back with more links and some more photography news and what I'm up to and all sorts of things next month. So until then... Goodbye.
check out any of the links mentioned in this podcast, go to darker-skies.com forward slash podcasts.